Welcome to the Make More, Keep More show with Ron Carruthers, that's me, and my co-host Dominic Cummins of Real Biz Advisors, where we talk about all things related to money and finance. And we, you can find all our back shows at makemorekeepmoreshow.com. How do you like that, Dominic? Wow, that was, that was really good. I think we Get just, music. we're just Get missing it. intro music. Let's see, if, does this work if I press um, this? Does it... Does that work? Does it go. come through? There See? I got it. So we'll have to do that next time over the, okay. um, we'll have to do that as we do the, uh, the thing. I've got sound effects too, just in case we want them. So, and all nice. sorts of good stuff. <laughs> Check us out all getting yeah. grown up. So anyway, man, I know we got a lot to chat about that's been going on. I don't know that we ever actually selected on a subject, but we can figure that out as we go. Yeah, we had about three or four However, that we were going to talk about. However, I did think of something. So we've been talking about this IRS, them hiring 87,000 IRS agents. Yes, you have been talking about that quite a bit. <laughs> more than more than once. So I decided I found the perfect way to do this. I decided I'm 100% behind this. The more the merrier, as long as the very first place that every single one of these guys starts to audit is every member of Congress that voted for it. And they should get not just them audited, but every single one of their immediate family members, anyone who might have benefited from any insider trading or any of those sorts of things. And frankly, while we're at it, screw that. Every member of Congress for the last 30 years, I think, should be the subject and every president should be the subject of an IRS audit with these 87,000 new agents that they hired. Give them multiple ones, full forensic audits. And let's find out how all these guys are getting rich while supposedly getting salaries of 150 or 180,000 a year. I think. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're about to get audited. (laughs) That's what I think. (laughs) My wife's been saying that for a while. (laughs) She's like, shut the hell up. Like, what is your problem? (laughs) Yeah, she probably has a point. Though speaking of anyway. insider trading, I was—I I had a funny one. I just saw this article yesterday. Let me see if I can pull it back up again. But did you hear about this kid who unloaded a bunch of uh, Bed Bath and Beyond stock the other day? He's a USC graduate, which you know automatically makes him pretty smart. Uh, obviously, fight on. There you go. But uh, you—or he's not a graduate. He's in school right now. He's a applied mathematics major, and he just—he uh, put—he borrowed and and pooled together $25 million from his family and friends and stuff and bought, put the sole position as Bed Bath & Beyond at like $5 a share, sold it like I think on Tuesday or something at its high um, for $110 million profit. <laughs> and what's interesting though about it is a couple of hours later, the largest institutional holder announced that they were selling their entire 11% stake in Bed Bath & Beyond only a couple of hours later. What do you figure the chances that gets investigated? Man, I don't know. Because <laughs> I'm not saying anything. I'm not I'm not suggesting, but it is kind of funny. I mean, it's crazy because the stock went down, you know, $7, $8. Yeah, it was, a meme. it was basically a meme stock, you know, almost right. like some of the others with GameStop and some of the other stuff. Yeah, yeah, same so, Cohen guy involves the meme stock guy uh, that did the GameStop thing. So, yeah, that's uh, interesting things afoot in the market. But it's been an interesting week in the market, too. We've actually seen some some uptick, which is nice. It's an interesting thing. One of the questions we just saw, I saw, I saw call, that, yeah. scroll across the screen was, um, where should I invest? Someone was thinking mortgage-backed securities. And that's actually a really good question. Um, I would say kind of as a general financial primer, here's some things to think about. And I actually wrote an article on this for Twitter. And um, it was one of, I mean, I have a lot of stuff that's fairly popular over there. Um, but it was one of the more popular ones. And basically, that becomes a question of, you know, people are like, okay, it, particularly if they're carrying student debt or home debt or any of those sorts of things, do I pay off my debt first? Do I begin to grow wealth first? Where do I go? And I would say the most important thing is to have a strategy. I'm actually going to post some stories later because I was thinking about this last night at the gym. Where people will show up to the gym, you'll see if you go at the same time, most of the time, like I do, you're going to see the regulars in there. Mm -hmm. 
Right. You wouldn't know this, Dominic, because when was the last time you were at the gym? Uh, at the gym? Oh, God, years. Because I have my own gym <laughs> and I have a bike. <laughs> so. But ask me how many miles I've cycled this week, you jackass. <laughs> so, but, I don't, but I don't care. <laughs> you guys are all clogging up the road and riding five abreast while I'm trying to get to work. Anyway, so you see some people going to the gym that just kind of move around kind of pointlessly from one thing to the other. And then you can see people that come in and you can tell they have a plan in place. And what you'll notice is those are the ones who are making progress you know, over time. And then you'll see people there five years later that look exactly the same. Sure. And so it's kind of the same with your money where you want to have some sort of structure in place. And here's kind of a generic financial prescription, if you will. Number one, you're better off building wealth first before you are reducing debt, uh, in my opinion. And the reason is there's math to support this, that you're dealing with compounding interest, which works on a curve like a geometric curve like that if you guys can see this it's just a curve that accelerates real quickly once you get past a certain stage versus an amortizing curve which kind of goes the other direction so as you build your wealth you'll begin to get more interest and more gains the bigger the wealth gets because of compounding than you will if you rush to try and pay off your debt first so the goal is always to get to the geometric part of the curve where it begins to accelerate up as quickly as possible then you get into okay well how much should you be putting generic financial kind of advice is if you can invest 20 percent of what you're doing live off the 80 percent and there's people that are obviously doing more than that but this is a really really good starting place and not carry any long-term debt so you can scale down your lifestyle quickly if things need need to change that's a formula for success. Then when you get into the actual specifics of where to invest and how to invest, then that's where the conversation becomes like, hey, mortgage-backed securities or ETFs. And all we say is have a little bit of money, you know, that is safe at all times. We did a whole show kind of on one of the areas that we use called um, overfunded, max-funded cash value life insurance. Um, we also use in my office asset-backed pensions. We haven't even gotten into those. We'll save that for another day. And then of your equity side, it just depends on how much, meaning money that's actually in the market and at risk. You know, I, I would go a little more towards traditional things for the majority of your money, like index funds, like man, a managed strategy, mortgage-backed securities are great. Um, and then keep things like crypto and and stuff like that to a little more of a minimum since it is so volatile. But the point is to have some sort of strategy around that. And I have no idea if that's what we were going to chat about today or not. But the question from Smiley PJ was a great one. So I thought we'd I'd jump in and kind of give you my two cents on that. I agree. I mean, muted. Yeah, I was muted. I forgot. Um, I was uh, turning on my air conditioner because it's hot in here. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that that's such a great point. I mean, isn't that sort of the, the point about everything? right, is, is have a bit of a plan around it, like whether it's your, your business or, or anything for that matter, just have a plan. And that seems to be something that's lacking in most investment scenarios or business scenarios or anything scenarios is people just don't have a plan. So I, I love that idea. And it's still fun. Like, I think the, the part that we've always talked about on this show is we're not telling you to not uh, have some fun with some crypto pick an individual stock, pick one of those meme stocks we talked about, you know, do what is it called swing trading or whatever that terminology is for it. Uh, you know, so which is which is apparently like more uh, uh, it's it's bougier than day trading is swing trading. <laughs> so uh, it's but, like it's like day trading that went to college. Yes. And got all yeah. Yeah. It's and, it's uh, and sips the tea with its pinky in the air. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's day trading that sometimes holds for three or four days. <laughs> no, but uh, uh, but yeah, no, and, and I have a buddy of mine who actually has done pretty well with with a lot of swing trading. And then, of course, he had a couple of good flyers. He got in on the early uh what was the uh, what was the movie theater stock and all that stuff? Uh, you know, AMC. Uh, AMC. Yeah, AMC, AMC was going crazy. Yeah, he crushed on that one and the other one that kind of did the same thing. GameStop around the same time. But yeah, I mean, the, I think you could have some fun with that, but have a plan around like, here's the fun money. And one of my, a good friend of mine also tells me stuff, you know, people that I know, you say the same thing too, is 
there is a there is it's an old expression but don't gamble what you can't afford to lose kind of scenario so you're going to have a portion of it into some of these fun things that you want to play around with a little bit but are you you know can you afford to lose it if you had to and that's a good good advice too that i've received about even investing if you're going to like buy a business or invest in somebody's business is what are you going to what can you afford to lose you know that's just a, a great just one smart smart plan because you know if you were going to go to vegas and and walk up to a table and do a single bet which one you know you'd be bummed out if you lost it but it wouldn't crush you you would still be able to pay your bills what's that amount well that's when your friend comes up to you and says hey can you invest in my company that's probably the right. same amount of money it varies <laughs> for people right five dollars i don't even know if they have those tables anymore yeah, I don't know I don't know either. hey we got a we got a couple really good questions kind of along that theme sweet so brit i think that's how we say it brit williams asked i've heard conflicting information about borrowing against your investments at a small percentage rate do you have an opinion well yeah we got an opinion on everything here <laughs> but this one is actually a good opinion um what you are describing so Margin lending, two of the things, Dominic, that make investing in the stock market and cash value life insurance that they have in common is you can borrow against the value of the asset without selling the asset. So the asset is still earning money. So you can set up a margin portfolio uh, or a margin loan on your portfolio, I guess is a better way to word it. And what you can do there is turn around now, Britt, and borrow against it, like you've heard, and for anybody else that has it, at a decent interest rate, because it's a, it's a loan not on your financials or anything like that. It's a loan on this specific portion of your portfolio. And then you can avoid any sort of taxes or interrupting the compound of your money over there. So it's actually a pretty brilliant strategy. Now. It is a strategy that got abused and led to the crash of 1929 because back then you could borrow the way on your stocks, excuse me, the way you could borrow on a house, 10% down, 5% down, you know, and margin the rest. And what people were doing is kind of what they were doing with the homes in the, the mid 2000s is this home would get a little bit of equity. Someone would pull out buy another home. That home, those two homes, we get a little bit more equity. They'd buy out and buy two more homes. Um, kind of like that great stripper scene in the big short where he's going to interview the girl. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. And she's like, he's like, why are you so stressed out about the, you know, what's going on? She's like, because I have five houses and a condo, I think was the line from it. So, but it is the way that a lot of really wealthy and smart individuals get access to their money without paying tax on it. So just not a bad idea. And you can do the exact same thing with life insurance without the ups and downs of it. Now they've set margin at more like 50%, meaning if you've got a $100,000 portfolio, you can borrow up to 50,000 of it. But back then you could borrow 90, 95,000. Right. That's what got the country in trouble. And Smiley PJ threw in, I'm an auditor for one of the big banks. I saw the word auditor and kind of. Yeah, <laughs> I did too. I had to read it twice. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tase me, bro. Uh, but he mentioned that he's learning about things through the auditing that he wouldn't know otherwise, which is awesome. Love that. So anyway, um, and yeah, what they were doing, Brett, was they were totally over leveraging. I mean, again, the government allowed it and it's great as long as. Housing market, stock market, as long as everything's going up, but nothing goes up forever. So the minute it started to turn and go the other direction, everybody was in trouble. Right. And that's what led to the banks, the, the failure on the, the run on the banks, because the banks are only required to keep 10% of your money around. So everybody went to go cash in their banks as the stock started to drop back down. Then people would get margin calls, meaning, hey, you got to put up this money to keep your position because you don't have any equity here right now. And if you don't, we're going to sell. So people went to the banks to keep that going, because why not? It had been going up forever. Pretty soon the banks are out of money. Then the stocks begin to plummet because they're sold, which lowers the price, which causes more margin calls, which caused more people to go to a bank that didn't have money, which caused more sales, which then led to the banks going 
and foreclosing on houses because back then a mortgage was a callable note that they could call on 30 days notice whether you were paying it or not. So now that's all changed and there's protections in place, which is as long as you're paying, the bank can never call that mortgage to. Right. Back then there wasn't. So something to think about. Yeah, I mean, that was a scary thing for people. I mean, people were taken out. I I mean, I remember those. Well, I I was in banking, so uh, Smiley PJ says he's one of those nice auditors. I ran banks (laughs) back in the day, and I've never met a nice auditor, PJ. Sorry, uh, Smiley PJ. He does seem nice. No, he does seem nice. He does seem nice. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, apparently they don't want you giving out the safe codes and stuff. Like, it's crazy. Uh, But anyway, no, so I, but I remember those days, like, we were writing equity lines right and left for people, and then at some point, when banks started calling those in uh, you know it's problematic right so balloon interest pay- payments and all that type of stuff and then of course we had then the big you know fallout from that and and again i think ron said this in the past but if you haven't watched the movie the big short while he referenced one stripper scene in there it's really not the focus of the movie uh like other movies <laughs> that ron watches but no but it, it's a it's a great one to actually explain that whole situation like it is it is um it's crazy what, what went down in that time period and to hear that uh, that whole thing. And, and by the way, that guy, I can't remember his name right now, but that guy right now is screaming from the top of the hills again that there's problems afoot. So it'd be interesting to see if he's right again. Oh, Michael, Michael Blurry? Yes. Blurry. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's down to one stock right now. I don't even know which one it is. So, you know, he kind of skews that way. Sure. Smart guy, but yeah. he kind of skews that way. So, of course, he's going to be right every once in a while. Um, we'll see on that. By the way, this is for anybody just joining us. This is the make more, keep more show. We talk about all things related to money every Friday at 8 a.m. Except when we're not doing it at 8 a.m. Pacific. And then you can find all our back shows on make more, keep more show.com. So for anybody just joining us, I'm Ron. That's Dominic of real biz advisors. And, um, yeah, we kind of talk about money. Sometimes we're a little more structured. Sometimes we're not. <sighs> Dude, what else do we need to chat about today? Well, we can. We got a guest. We got a guest. We have a guest next week, Doctor Jeff. He was a Dan Kennedy market marketer, the year runner up. Um, so he does some interesting thing, helping doctors invest and kind of get out of that. But he's got some great marketing. We're going to be chatting about marketing and some of the blog stuff he's doing and how he's doing it. And we're going to chat about you know getting free traffic from Google because he's got that stuff dialed in. And then also talk about his um, kind of investment strategy and what he does. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting. It's going to be an interesting blend of actually making more and keeping more. No, his so, YouTube channel is pretty pretty legit too. So uh, it's, yeah, uh, and for anybody that wants to go check him out before next week, it's Doctor Jeff Anzalone, and um, super good dude from Louisiana. And his YouTube channel, I think, just went over a thousand subscribers. Yeah, it's like so. Debt Free Doctor or something like that. Or yeah, Debt Free Doc. Debt yeah, free doctor. I can't remember. I don't have it in front of me, okay. but yeah, it's a it's debt a good doctor. it's a good. Uh, I got a good guess for next week. But you're stuck um, with us for this week, unfortunately, you guys. Yeah, it's, it's just <laughs> so I was gonna. I, one of the things I thought would be interesting again on the sort of the make more side of things is uh, you and I outside of this. Uh, podcast that we do do some business uh working on some business together and we have been doing or you have been doing them i've just been helping out with it a little bit but is the uh live events which is kind of a funny subject to talk about given that for what the past two and a half years there have been no live events so i was curious because you your business on the college planning side separate from the well on the tax side i think you did a lot of live events too but uh your business was a big part of a big part of that was uh, doing live events. So, and then you had to take a few years off of that, obviously, like everybody did. I was just curious to see what your thoughts have been with, have you done three events now coming back since COVID three live events, what's been your kind of experience? What's been like, what what do you think about it? How, how are you, has it changed? Is it less effective? I mean, just tell me like, I'd love to hear kind of your takeaways on that. So a couple things. Number one is, so we did just so you guys know, Dominic, your business would be best described as you're a consultant and a sales trainer, right? Like you help businesses come in and get their sales and processes right. Is that the way you describe it? That's that's one. I help people make money. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, all right. Well, nice job there. Great, great elevator elevator speech, Dominic. You're doing you're doing great. But um, my business is kind of weird because we do pretty much anything related to money. 
So we have a financial advisory practice. We have a tax practice. We have a tax resolution practice. If one of those 87,000 IRS agents comes up and uh, wants to crawl up in your business or you just haven't filed your taxes, we do that. But one of the areas that I specialize in was is late stage college planning, meaning we'd love to sit down with a family and great, you just had a baby, let's start setting money aside, not a 529. <clears throat> but then turn around. That's all cute and nice, but most people are kind of hot messes, you know, in their lives and life just gets away. And so what we, my real business is in that arena is late stage parents who didn't save enough for college. They, they had a kid, looked away. Now the kid's 17 when they looked back, ready to go to school. And so we've done live events on that for years. And part of it comes from my own background of being my high school valedictorian and not going to college because we didn't understand the process. So we started doing some live events for that again. And it was weird because, first of all, the guy down Saturday morning at the library that we did it at, I've known him for 17 years. So it was literally like, Lester, my man, how have you been? You know, because I haven't seen him in the last two and a half. The audience was great, although I was still kind of surprised at the number of people who were still wearing masks, mm-hmm. uh, which no judgment. It just, I wasn't, I didn't, wasn't expecting it. Yep. But the response was the same. And look, there's nothing as great as webinars are and as wonderful as technology is that allows us to connect. There's nothing like being able to, you know, do an event in front of people, have them laugh at my jokes and, you know, actually see the audience reaction and get real questions that you don't necessarily get online because people are just kind of half engaged. Um, Whereas I I, I think in a room, there tend to be more engaged, you know, so it was great. Results were great. Um, we got a lot of families we're going to be saving some money for that have come out of that. And, um, so it was interesting. What's old is new again, you know, right? Yeah. And I think like, it's, it's one of those things, like you think about direct mail is another one of those, like where it's what old, what was, was old is new. You know, it's funny how some of these, uh, timeless marketing principles, which I know that's the name of a book, right? Um, some of these timeless marketing things are truly timeless, right? They do come back and they do work. And there's an interesting element of a live event does get people engaged. And I will maybe argue the point that they laughed at your jokes, but that's, that's, I do remember a few where you were like, come on guys, it doesn't get any funnier than this. No, no, but I'm teasing you. So, uh, they laughed a couple of times. So, but they are engaged, right? They're sitting there. And then the power of afterward, they can come up and talk to you. Right. And have a chat and 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 say like, hey, okay. And and I thought it was interesting about how many people who would come up afterward just to simply say, well, I'm not sure if my scenario applies, which when they're in a webinar, they have no opportunity. They're gone. They're gone. gone. Yeah. And and again, I'm not suggesting from a marketing perspective that webinars don't have power. They do. Um, but there's just that element of being able to walk up to the speaker afterwards and going like, are you sure this applies to me? Like how many, you know, you had some lady who was like, well, I'm not even a U.S. citizen. Does that work? Well, she would probably wouldn't have been able to ask that question if she wasn't in front of you. Like there was somebody who was like, oh, but my kid's already in college, so I probably can't do it. Oh, no, no, that's fine. There's all those little things. And I just think from a making more perspective, the reason why I bring this up is I'm going to guess that just based on some of the comments and some of the profiles that I've looked at from the people that follow us, we have a lot of people in here in some form of like consulting training, coaching, uh, service-based kind of scenario somewhere along the line. And the the opportunity, our business is, is true more than others, I think, predicated on trust. Like trusting that the person knows what they're talking about, that they know right. what that we are an authority. And if you haven't written a book, if you don't have 100,000 followers on some social media, though then again, just because you have 100,000 followers doesn't mean you're an authority, but it does help. Um, you know, those types of things, if you don't have those, then one of the best ways for them to find you is to go and sit in front of you and listen to you talk for a couple hours or an hour. Right. And when you have the opportunity, then all of a sudden people are like, this dude knows what he's talking about. This lady, this lady is really slick. That that sounded great. Um, that'll be good on the recording. Uh, Oh, even another is a bonus effort. 
Uh, so uh, I apologize to all of you listening to this on AirPods. Um, but yeah, no. So I think that that there's that power of it, and I and I th- see people hesitant to come back to it to some degree, which is also the reason why I brought this up. Like in my group, you know, my coaching group, like some hesitancy to do it. Some of them are on here. Um, you know, this other people just kind of like, ah, oh, I don't know. I, boy, but you know, I started doing webinars or I started just doing something else. I don't know. Don't sleep on those live events. They're, they're huge. It's a, it's a real opportunity to get in front of your crowd and prove just how smart you really are. Well, and one of the things, one of the, one feeds the other, right? Because we still had a ton of people that didn't show up, that registered, didn't show up. Sorry, I have no idea what just fired off my allergies. And, um, COVID. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Um, so anyway, so yeah, we had a ton of people who didn't show up. I'd say 40% of the people that registered actually showed up. Pretty common. But now I've got 60% that we can market and follow up to and invite to a webinar or future workshop or things like that. Now I've got a live audience that I can't, that showed up Mm -hmm. that at least had a good time. Even if nothing goes from there, they learned some stuff, they had a good time. And so now we can go and invite them to our next live workshop or our next seminar or anything like that. So don't sleep on that. And like Dominic said, you know, I don't know about you guys. I get, hundreds of emails every day yep. you know every morning i'm just like all right here we go and we get into these emails and i'm just like i gotta do it first thing in the morning and last thing in the, you know in the afternoon to just cr- try and keep on top of it monday's a mess because i got two days that generally don't look at email over the weekend and yet when i go to my mailbox every night because literally if it was up to my wife the mail from seven years ago would still be sitting out there all right it is I, I don't know what are Ivana and, and your wife share that in common i think and for somebody who orders as much stuff as she does from anthropology and free people and, and amazon prime you think she'd be excited to go see what's in that mailbox but no 100 percent on me but i mean i get on an average day three pieces of mail four pieces of mail yeah you know so like I've got this total overload over here where occasionally I delete something I shouldn't and it comes back to bite me because I'm just trying to go through that. And um, oh, let me make a note for lovely CJP. But in my mailbox, I have nothing. Right. And so there is something to say for that where you can be like, hey, show up where pe- other people aren't. And that can make a huge difference. So we are actually, by the way, I'll tell you what we're doing in my practice. We just killed, I'll probably send out two more, but we just killed our newsletter that went out on Fridays because it wasn't getting, it just, again, it was more spam in people's inboxes. And we are going back to a ink and paper newsletter starting in September once a month to, to keep in touch with our clients an actual physical and hold it in their hands, you know, mark it up, newsletter. What is so, old is new again, right? I mean, that's, the, and that's the thing, like, think about how many, like, Dan Kennedy back in the day, and, and uh, the, the double your dating guy, and the everybody, the physical newsletters, like, these were just a big deal, or maybe the double dating was all email, but, but that was in the early days when you got four emails a day versus that. So I think it, understanding your market and where they are is such a huge piece. And we talked about this, I think, season one, maybe one of the first episodes, I went on a rant about how much follow-up it takes these days to get a sale, right? Like, statistically, for those of you who and, missed it, go ahead. Oh, and I was just going to say, by the way, while you're giving that statistic, I'm going to get some more water. But we are noticing that people are starting to get nervous with the market out there. And I would say all of our follow-up just had to just doubled. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and, and that's. Hold on. Before you give that statistic, Smiley PJ, every Friday at 8 a.m., but you can catch all the back shows, 8 a.m. Pacific, at makemorekeepmoreshow.com. Yep. And lovely CJP, I'm going to get you some information on the college webinars. I'll, uh, I wrote a note. I'll DM you on that. So, And it'll actually be me as long as I'm not act- asking about your crypto or anything like that. That's not me. <laughs> All right, back to your sales. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I had done a presentation uh, like last year or something for for a sales team that I was working with for for a, a cruise line, 
And one of the presentations that I gave was around this idea of follow-up. And in like 2020, or excuse me, 2019, the average, you could get a hold of a prospect in eight follow-ups was the typical, like how many times it took you to actually get somebody uh, to answer the phone or to, to, to do some form of action that you were looking for. And after COVID started, it was taking 18. And what's funny about that statistic is you would think because it took more than obviously sales reps were doing more. And I say sales reps, but I mean any business owner, anybody trying to, you know, get some business for your, for whatever you are trying to do. You may not identify as a salesperson, but let's face it, you are. Uh, the average person in 2019 was following up twice. And then the average person uh, in 2021, when it went up to 18 follow-ups, was following up once. So to Ron's point, one of the things he said earlier was just find out where your people are and make yourself available to them in that place. And I think that's a large portion of what things like live webinar, or excuse me, live webinars, uh, live events do for you. Um, I mean, shoot, webinars are a piece of that, but also something like a physical mailer going out to people. And I shared a bunch of examples at that time of what I've heard people doing, and some of them are fairly creative. Some of them are kind of silly, but it gets people's attention. Like the one guy who was sending out a little bag of like toy soldiers and was because he was a marketing agency and sending out a little bag of toy soldiers and said, do you want to go this alone or do you want to go have an army behind you? It's totally cheesy. But guess what? People remember that stuff, right? So, and it cost him, I forget what he said, because he bought them on Amazon or something. And I want to say he was paying all in like, I don't know, $3 to send this thing to people. And his average ticket, if he landed a deal, was something like, you know, $60,000 a year. So the trade-off there, the ROI on that is massive. And so all these little things that you can do are, to me, just another opportunity for follow-up. Because you think about, like, you don't want to get 18 emails from the same clown that you didn't want to talk to the first couple of times. But you also didn't, don't want to but you know so or a phone call or one particular thing but if that person emails you sends you something funny in the mail text messages you and calls you you're like all right this guy's pretty serious this lady's pretty serious let me at least give it a shot see what they have to say as long as they're interesting there is um yeah we've we've mailed letters with um shredded money you can buy little yep. bags of shredded money that the treasury shreds you know and um yeah it's just Again, nothing wrong with email, but definitely just like you would diversify your money, you, you would want to diversify as a business owner, your marketing efforts, so you're not just hammering away on email or just hammering away on some. I mean, we even noticed it in our Instagram business where the minute Instagram, every time they change an algorithm, you know, our numbers will dip until we figure out the algorithm and then come back in. But by having a Twitter following, an Instagram following, a, a, an online marketing, totally separate from that. We, we have something going at all times. Just something to think about. So you hey, just we blew me away, though, because you are you can buy the shredded money. I was always just taking my own $100 bills and shredding it. <laughs> Someone out there money, was doing that. <laughs> money, money, it, it doesn't jingle, it folds. <laughs> <laughs> um, Hey, one question Britt asked, I think it's Britt, because she's got a weird spelling on it, but I figured there's a bunch of Brits on there, so I'm pretty sure it's Britt. She asked about financial literacy for kids. That gave me a great idea. I'm going to call a buddy of mine, Jonathan Bloom, and get him on the, um, we'll get him on the show. He did a whole course on financial literacy for kids. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, and we keep talking about doing a project and I get distracted but um, we'll get him on the show, Brett. He, he really talks a lot and intelligently with a good curriculum with, you know, 15 lessons to help kids really understand how money works and lessons that just aren't taught. And then my buddy, Don Blanton, who, in, who created the software that the actual financial planning software that I use in my practice he turns around and he has a whole course on it on financial literacy that they're teaching at the college system in Florida. And he's getting into the, the high school system as well. Nice. So maybe we'll have to get double E as a guest to ask questions. <laughs> double e's the best. That's his kid. What's double E like six or seven years old. He's six. 
Yeah. He's six. He's so freaking sweet. And the so double E really comes from, so when I told Ron what he was going to be named, his, his full name is Enzo Ethan Cummins. As soon as I said that, Ron didn't even skip a beat. And he was like, E.E. E. Cummins? That's awesome. So that's how that started. And then he's called him Double E ever since. And if I refer to him as Enzo, usually Ron goes, who? And I go, Double yeah. E. And so that's, yeah, uh, that's and, what it is. And you know, it's funny. Only half the time am I, am I uh, being, you know, joking. The other half the time, I'm like, who's Enzo? Like, oh, Double E. Uh, he did it for me yesterday. He said, Daddy, I got an idea. And I was like, what's that? And he goes, well, you have the microphones in your office. I think when football season starts, you and I need to do a show where we talk about the games from the weekend and we can do it like on a Monday or a Tuesday after the whole football season, the weekend's over. So I was like, done, let's do it. Let's do the show. We'll see what happens. So can you believe, can you believe it's only a few weeks left until football starts? What are we? Three weeks. I know. Last night before the official season, That's an there was a great thing. Did anybody ever used to read why your team sucks? God, that, yes, that, it looks like he's doing it again. All right, is he over on Defector now? All right, so there was a guy. Hold on, let me make sure it's the right guy. Yep, Drew McGarry. You would love this, D. He does, he writes every year. He used to do it for, I think, Decider. I don't know, some internet site who got bought out. Um, and they, like, basically, it was kind of a social justice thing. Everybody quit. And he was one of the guys that quit, Drew McGarry. And he used to write every year, he would go through all 32 teams and write why your team sucks. And he, I'm not going to lie. It was, it's a little bit profane, a little adult language in there. Absolutely hilarious. And he nails it spot on. That's funny. So anyway, look. Yeah, we'll have to see if he has a Chargers one yet. Why your team sucks 2022. I would imagine that's the first one he writes every year. I mean, maybe maybe the Lions get in ahead of that, but, you know, it's pretty close. He um, No, what he does, he does it in the order of um, reverse order. So he'll start with the worst team, the team with the worst record, then the next team. Basically, he goes in the draft order. You know, so he'll write worst team with the number one draft pick and he'll go all the way through the Super Bowl um, with the Super Bowl webs, you know, champion. Nice. So I'll uh, check that out. Yeah, I haven't seen that one, but I'll have to definitely check that out. See, this is the, this is the beauty <laughs> of the Make More Keep More show is it's a full service. We've gone from investments to live events to marketing efforts to football talk. I mean, this is this is what this show's about. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't done the 2022 version of the LA Chargers, but I'm reading part of the 2021, and I won't read it because the adult language and the children. I don't want to upset the children, but this guy's hilarious. Uh, yeah. It's yeah, it's freaking hilarious. By the way, I did right, see man, our well, next guest, uh, our our guest for Dr. next week, uh, joined in a few minutes ago. So yeah, Doctor Jeff was in the looking house. Looking forward to yeah, having him on. That'll be awesome. I didn't get a chance to do that. Yeah, we're going to get, like I said, bro, we're going to get Jonathan Bloom on, who's a good dude. Um, man, I must see if we can get him the week after. Yeah. So we we'll see if we we're can get working, him. I got he, a good crew. We're working right now on our, so we're going to wrap up the season, probably right this season, right about when football season starts, because we're going to go to the Thursday night game and probably not be in shape to do the, the show the next day. So the ninth will probably be our two-week, the ninth and the following will be our two-week break, I think, off the show, and then we'll come back. Uh, but, uh, we are already working on our season three guests and stuff right now. So I've reached out to a few people and Iran's talking to some people. So should be exciting, uh, uh, guests. And you guys can always tell us too, what, what kind of guests you're looking for or any types of topics. Obviously your questions usually trigger those things, but that's definitely helpful when you guys let us know. Cause then we can just invite, we have a pretty good, pretty good network of, of people we can, we can invite. We do indeed. Um, what else is going on, Dominic? Actually, that's an interesting, because I was thinking about that too, is network. Um, uh, well, Dr. Brown here has a great question too. I do want to talk a little bit about, um, is, is that idea of a network that this, it's kind of surprises me, but then I think back to like 10 years ago, 15, maybe a little bit longer than that, 15, 20 years ago, where I felt like I didn't know a lot of people. But it's kind of interesting. I don't know how much of it is just age as you get older and you just meet more people. But but I also think that I've put a more conscious effort into trying to meet people and network. And and what do you do? Because you have a really good extensive network of these people that you've known. What do you kind of attribute most of that to? Is it like going to events? 
uh, you know, chatting with people on Twitter? I mean, how have you kind of built your network of, of people that you can rely on? Yeah, kind of, kind of both. So first of all, I met, I met and meet a ton of cool people online, like Instagram and Twitter and stuff like that. And generally, if someone wants to chat, we're going to be like, yeah, let's chat. Yep. Never know where that's going to go. And um, I do get the odd foreigners who want to move in with me and want me to sponsor them. And I'm like, yeah, no, my house is kind of small. Can't do that. But I meet a ton of great people on there. Um, I'm a big fan. You know, if there are live events, like I go to one big financial planning conference every year um, down in Orlando. It, it doesn't hurt that it's at the Ritz-Carlton for a stupid low rate. So uh, I will literally go. The conference is like three days. I'll take the entire week if they'll give it to me at that rate. And then every day I will look up the price for what the Ritz-Carlton is charging and laugh and point at it. It makes me very happy. But, you know, I, I like to drink. Um, not all what? the time, but certainly, yeah, certainly at, a, uh, at an event, it is an appropriate um, thing to do. So I'll hang out and meet. I've met so many cool people. I ended up by sitting at the bar and chatting with a couple of guys that ran the thing. I'm doing, I'm speaking at that event this year. So I've got one of the breakout sessions and that literally was like over a martini chatting away. Like, yeah, man, you know what you guys don't cover? You guys don't really do a lot on this. And they're like, you want to do it? And I'm like, yeah, you guys going to let me come for free? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, I'm in. Yeah. All we're cheap. <laughs> so I was going to go anyway. I'll spend that money on I'll spend that money and uh down in Orlando, Jose Andre has a restaurant called Haleo over in downtown Disney. That's freaking love that place. And my dinner's probably gonna cost about what my registration would have been. So I'll spend it there. But yeah, just chatting, you know, like like back to this whole workshop thing. There's something about just getting out mm -hmm. and not and look, man, I think work from home. I know a lot of you guys love it. And that's great. But I still think there's something to be getting out, you know, and I'm not necessarily going to the Starbucks to work, although that's an option, but just getting out and actually talking to people and meeting people for your life and your your mental well-being, but absolutely for your business. And, and I'll just give you guys a funny story. Um, we had, so my office, I'm in a campus of three buildings. They're all three stories where we're kind of wedged between the five freeway and the ocean down in Carlsbad. And my desk looks straight out into like the courtyard where they have like um, the water, a little waterfall, water feature, they have tons of greenery and chairs and tables and everything everywhere. It's really nice mm -hmm. there. And even though it's stupid expensive, we'll probably stay there and re-up our lease. We have a gym there. We have showers there. We have It's just a nice place. So my office looks straight out. And we've got these two girls who come out and have lunch every day. One's younger, one's a little bit older. And um, one day they're freaking out over something. They jumped up from their table and ran off. And then they came back over, like they put a napkin on something, and then they went to touch the napkin, and then the one girl jumped like three feet and ran off, and then they went over here and sat for a while, and then they came back and touched the napkin again and jumped and ran off. Like, what the hell's going on? I was stuck on a conference call. I would have gone out to find out. Well, anyway, then eventually a guy comes over and grabs the napkin. I'm like, yep, little toxic masculinity right here. And ladies, whatever's in there, the ladies are not touching it. He grabs it and he's walking over to the trash can and he gets like five feet from the trash can and he jumps and, and runs. And, and I'm sure squeed while he was doing it. it was very, I picture a squeal going. actually. That's what not, I'm not as great. I'm like, Ehh. so anyway, so two weeks go by and I haven't seen those ladies again. So the other day they're both out having lunch. I, I got 10 minutes before my next appointment. So I'm like, Steph, watch my back. I'm going to go out and chat with these guys. So I'm like, hey, ladies, I'm Ron. And they kind of look at me weird. Like, look, my desk is right there. I see, I look right out the window. I saw you guys the other day with the napkin and the thing. And they start dying laughing. You know, they're like, oh, yeah, it was one of those big green beetles. And it just freaked us out. And so I introduced myself, hey, I'm Ron, which naturally led to like, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm a tax advisor. We help people lower their taxes and find money they're losing unknowingly and unnecessarily. The lady's like, I need that. 
I'm like, okay, I didn't bring any cards and I got to go back in. But I'm like, next time I'll see you guys, I'll bring the card out. So literally just going out, I had no intention of business or doing anything, but I was friendly and said, hey, and wanted to know what was going on. And now I've got two kind of like friends and possibly a client out of it. Who knows? But it was the point was, I wouldn't have gotten that had I not just gone and introduced myself and who knows what comes from it. Right. But you know, this all kind of comes back to getting out of your house, which means getting out of your comfort zone, not being shy about talking to people. Now, personally, I hate mixers or anything like that. Like yep. a chamber mixer. I'm just not a fan of those. Um, I'd rather go to a cooking class or something that has more of a purpose rather than just hi there. I'm Ron. And I do business. Well, and I think, you know, like I just, yeah, those common, when you go, always makes me, if you go to something like a cooking thing, which you're into, or you go to like one of those, like, cause we, we both belong to the same, um, club, business club, business yeah. club. And he belongs to San Diego location. I belong in downtown LA, but the, the, it's the same club. And the, the, if you go to like, yeah, the mixers, it's super awkward. It's full of insurance guys, no offense to insurance guys. Uh, it's full of like, you know, a couple of real estate agents. It's all kind of the same stuff. And it really is not, at least for me, not my target audience. And so it's hard, but like, if you go to one of their little events around like, you know, cocktail making with their bartender, you go to a cooking thing, then it's interesting because then you're now populating it with people that share common interests with you. And then the business conversation is much easier to come out of that if it makes sense, right? Like, and then again, you're not trying to super, you're not forcing your business conversation. The other part is like, you mentioned this great point earlier too, that I think was, was kind of key to the, the whole thing around having the, having a drink at the bar, you offered some advice and some help. And you didn't even do it with like, well, hey, can I get on stage? It was just like, hey, here's a suggestion that I think would make this thing even better. And it's that totally. providing value. And I think back to like, um, one of these days I'll get him to come on the show, but like Marcus, who used to be part of the Digital Marketer crowd, that's how I ended up speaking so much at Digital Marketer and Traffic Conversion Summit and all the stuff that I did with them was because I was talking to Marcus and I was like, here's something I see as a problem that I think you guys could fix. And he was like, do you have something for that? I was like, I do. And he was like, great, let me fly you out to Austin. And then it, yep. from there it went and it was, I, I mean, yeah, of course I had a little bit of mind that would be great to speak at their th- stages, but I really was like, this I think is an issue that you guys could probably help with that would be really good for your audience. And so providing some of that's really helpful. I know for me, and I know this isn't your jam, but like golfing for me really works, but being strategic about it, like knowing who, like somebody you want to take to play golf. I, I don't make it a business conversation the entire time that we play golf. If they want to talk business, we do. Um, a lot of times that they don't say anything for, for three and a half, four hours. And at the end of it, they're like, Hey, do you have time for a drink? Sure. And then that's usually when the business conversation has, cause they want to see how much that's you how cheat. Works. Yep. They want to see how much you cheat. That's what I want to see too. How much do you cheat? <laughs> a little bit of cheating is okay. Uh, you know, uh, or, or cheating when somebody else gives you the pass. Like if I say to them, like move that from behind the tree, like you don't have to hit that. Come on. Uh, we're not getting paid to do this is usually the line. Um, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. Then you see what kind of person they are by the end of it. They want to have a drink and they do, but I'll tell you like every year I close a lot of business on the golf course because I just do well, it because it's something I'm interested in and I can spend some time with these people. And you're an elitist. Which I'm not, Dominic. I'm a man oh. of the people. <laughs> okay. Hey, but yeah. speaking of man of the people, how is that RS7 of yours doing? <laughs> hey, they improved my engine. Whoa, that's so good. I have, I have an engine that I think costs more than my first house that the warranty's paying for on its way over from Germany right now. Wow. Uh, I'm getting a Toyota Corolla next time, y'all. I'm getting a Toyota Corolla. <laughs> You know what? I don't go that far to work. I might actually get an electric bicycle and just give up cars altogether. There you go. That would be good. Yeah, no, and I, and I like the man, uh, man, uh, man of the people Monaco on your wrist too. That was good too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, no, I think the, the, the whole point you're making, I, or you've said, or we're both saying, is just like get out, talk to people. I mean, that this is. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you guys some dating advice. By the way, because the exact same advice applies to dating if you're single, which is you can go to a singles mixer and it's super awkward. Anyone that's ever gone, you know, is just kind of like, hey, because you're all kind of there for a purpose, but it's direct and weird, just like you said, you go to the chamber mixer and it's 47 insurance guys. Right. Um, and I think the rest are realtors. 
So, it, but everybody's there kind of directly like, let's do business. And don't even get me started on the networking clubs where you got to go at seven in the morning and be nice to people, which is totally out of my pay grade. Uh, I can I can go. I just can't be nice to anybody at seven o'clock in the morning. But but you go to something like I had a guy, Paul Hartooni, and he was the guy who was famous years ago at getting publicity because he was the man who sold the Brooklyn Bridge. And there's a cute story behind it. Paul's a really good dude, but he had a business on how to get publicity for your business. It's a great course. Um, but then he also had a business on how to meet the love of your life in 90 days or less. Oh, yeah. And his advice was, well, if you're a girl and you want to meet guys, what seminars would guys go to where you would be the only girl? And so his advice was like, if you're a girl, go learn to play golf. Odds are you're going to get put with a foursome of guys. My wife's staring at me right now. You got something to say? Got that airplane on. Anyway. So, and if you're a guy wanting to meet girls, go to a cooking class or go to a yoga class or go something like that, where there's some social interaction afterwards, not right. creepy yoga class, but, but it was like, because it's indirect, it makes it so much easier. So, well, and it's business advice. It, it is business yeah. advice ultimately, because Dan Kennedy has said it, every marketing grade has said, you've got to find out where your audience is and go be there with them. Like, and, sure. and your audience, like uh, we went to a couple of those club mixers initially and we were like, all right, cool. Let's go see. I don't go to them anymore. Not because they're bad. It's just, that's not my audience. And well, my they audience. The club, and they closed the club down by your house. Well, they did close the one by my, right Pour by my house. But it. now we, we live by this one and this one's pretty ridiculous. So we'll have to go up there sometime. Um, I haven't been, I haven't been in years up there. I do like that one. Yeah. But so you, it's a network, by the way, I'll tell you guys the story real quickly. It's a network of business clubs and golf clubs and country clubs. And so one of my clients, I got introduced to it because one of my clients joined and he's like, oh, Ron, I mean, I know he became the director of sales. So he's like, Ron, you got to join golfing. You know, you can golf at this course and this course and this course. So I had to break it to him, Larry, like, I don't golf. Larry the K is what we called him. And then he was like, well, Ron, you can join this tennis club in Del Mar. And I'm like, Larry, I grew up poor, man. We didn't play tennis. We didn't golf. Like, you know, I, I got chased by the neighborhood hobos. That was my exercise. Come on, man. He goes, well, okay. Well, we do have this business and drinking club downtown. And I'm like, Larry, there you go. now you're speaking my language. Now we're talking about two things I really like. So I joined. I still, and they give me all these privileges with the golf courses. One of these days, I'm going to learn that. Bye, babe. Um, one of these days I will learn. I just got to finish up one more pilot license and then we'll be off to it. But anyway, but again, it's just going where, where the people, your people are, my people tend to be on a golf course, right? Cause I want the right. business owner who is, I mean, I work with, you know, people turning the side hustle into the main hustle and they probably are not on the golf course, but I got other places for them. But then the but the golf course folks are usually that CEO founder of a company who actually has time to go sit on the golf course and and isn't needing to be in the office every single day, but is probably stuck and trying to figure out how to sell their business at some point or exit at some point and, and is stuck. And that's that's what I do. Right. So those are, um, you know those are those are times to be able to do it and then to be able to play some golf and then we have an opportunity i'm going to play um tory pines in a couple of months with some guys for a client of mine that are all like who's going to be the next head of that client like there's all the guys who are in the running so i'm going to go play with them which is great because then no matter who because you know we all have suffered from that having a really good client they get taken over by a new owner, manager, business, whatever. And we lose the deal because the new person doesn't want to assume the old relationship. Well, I'm going to go totally. play, play golf with all the people who could potentially assume the new position. And no matter what, they're probably, you know, two of them are going to like me, I would think maybe not the third, but you know, then we have, I have a pretty good shot. So it's just all those little things of understanding, like, again, getting out in front of people and each one of you have something like I've started cycling again, um, and I'll start going to some of those cycling clubs again, say that those people tend to be my off my, um, uh, you know, my, my, my people, right. That are out there doing that. Cause cycling's not cheap. And so I want a business owner who has got the time to be able to go out for a long bike ride, can afford $5,000 worth of ge gear. And that's your audience, right? So then it's, I thought, 
thought airplanes were expensive. Oh no, I was thinking. <laughs> at a, I went to the bike shop yesterday just to get something, and so like the real popular bike on the Tour de France, just to give you some context, the real popular bike on the Tour de France this year was the uh, Penarolo Dogma. The frame, no wheels, no gears, no brakes, no nothing on it is sixty five hundred dollars just for the just for the frame of the bike. And then you add on wheels at, you know, $1,000 a piece and, you know, $5,000 gear set. And yeah, it, it run you a lot of money. But that that's the point. Like, I, those are the people that I want to hang out with. So I think each one of you has probably hobbies and things you love doing. Use those hobbies as part of your marketing efforts. So I got texts both from Ivana and from uh, uh, Alessandra saying, did you uh, respond to Dr. Tanisha Brown's question? So we should probably bring out hers up. Any oh, advice okay. for, so go ahead. Close the business down. Yeah. You know what? It's probably a longer conversation than we have time for right here, but absolutely pay attention to tax basis. Um, all sorts of tax basis is a big deal. Close out tax return, filing the final tax return, all those sorts of things. So there's, it's actually a longer conversation than we probably have time for today. And one that I would, I would feel more comfortable um, doing a little research for. So we've got Dr. Jeff on next week. Maybe we'll put that question for two weeks out, Dr. Brown, and um, we'll take a look at it then. So I'll have some time to actually prepare for it and give you an intelligent, you know, concise answer and cite some tax codes and make it all sound official and stuff like that. But definitely there's some stuff that you need to know. Same as if you're selling a business. Yep. And um, we can we can chat about business exiting, whether it's the good kind, you're getting a sale or doing whatever. Or it's a bad kind where we're just like, enough's enough. We're going to close this place down. And um, I'm looking at tickets for the Rams game. Prices are starting to come down. I mean, if we wanted to go, we're going to the Buffalo Bills, Dominic and I are. And yeah, Dr. Brown, please come back. We will cover it. And you'll probably really like, we got a fellow doctor on, Dr. Jeff Anzalone next week. So you guys can flash doctor secret signs at each other, whatever. But um, the following week, I will make a note and get get prepped for that question. But um, Dominic and I, anyway, are going to the opening night, Buffalo Bills at Rams. I'm in charge of getting the tickets because Dominic comps the Chargers tickets because I refuse to give Dean Spanos one penny of my money. Um, and at least prices are starting to come down a little bit, Dominic. So I can keep both my kidneys and we can still go to the game. So this is very exciting for me. That's exciting. And uh, Bill Lindsay, we don't need any Bills gear. Thank you very much for offering. Although the Bills got hosed. I mean, back to football for 20 more seconds. The overtime rules, if I got in trouble, and I chatted with a new client potentially yesterday. I'm pretty sure we're going to work together. And um, he's a quarterback trainer in Dallas. So he helps get, get guys ready. And good, Brett. I'm glad you enjoyed the class. But um, we were chatting about who's got a chance. And, and basically, I made a very good case for the Chargers are the Dallas Cowboys with just less fans and, and a worse <laughs> owner. And, and he's like, man, you know, I never thought about that. And I'm like going through the similarities. I'm like, they look good. They have all the pieces. You can never get it done. Yeah. And yeah, Dallas Cowboys, I know they got they won a bunch of Super Bowls, but that's been a long time, a long time. Uh, Agreed. Well, you know, here's the funny thing. So, you know, I mentioned the whole my son wants to do the 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 show with me on football and we're going to do it because I mean, why not? Right. So I don't care if anybody watches it, but we'll put it up on YouTube or something. But what's really funny is the other day we were sitting there talking about something. I think it was. Oh, it was the Packers, which if you remember, like the Packers game ended in the same thing. The overtime rules kind of got in there. I had forgotten I about that. Rolls. I had forgotten all about it, right? So Enzo sitting, we were just chatting on because he's a Cheeseheads fan. I, how that came about, I have no idea. He just is a Cheeseheads fan. So he has the, and then my really good friend Carl is a Green Bay fan. So he bought him this morning. Enzo had his Cheesehead out for some reason so he's a big <laughs> they fan go bad, which, which they, is go fun. So young. they do and you know what's great about it though so this year they did the opening for you to you buy a share of green bay packers so i bought him one so he actually has the certificate so he's actually an owner of the oh, team nice. now which is really cool but um don't tell them because they can't own it under 18 but you know we're just ignored that they, what they don't know it can't hurt them uh but anyway right. so the uh but he was sitting there and he was like yeah he's like well you know I think the Packers will have a better chance this year. And I was like, why is that? And he goes, well, because I think I heard that the overtime rules are changing. And I'm like, what are you talking? And he proceeded to go into this whole thing. And I was, 
sitting there going like, oh my God, he's right. That's right there. They had, they got stuck on the overtime. He's like, everybody should have, you can't win on, you know, the technicality. Like he even said that, like you can't win on a technicality because the clock expires. They should let them play it out. And it should be the thing. And I was like, he's not wrong. And he's six. Like, I love that, that he cares that much about football. The overtime rules in football are absolute Super, garbage, yeah, yeah. or at least the old ones were. Yeah. They, if, if they ever make me NFL commissioner, besides <laughs> mandating and lobbying that the day Monday after Super Bowl Sunday is a national holiday, give everybody a chance to recover. The I'm gonna change those rules in two seconds flat. Yeah. You're gonna have a 15 minute, another 15 minute period. There is no sudden death. And if it ties again, we go to another 15-minute yep. period. And if we tie again, as far as I'm concerned, that builds what was a Chiefs game. Oh, yeah. I, I would be watching if they were still playing right now six months later. Hey, absolutely. I'd still be watching that game. It was a great game. It was. All right, Dan. Awesome. we got to wrap this show up. For sure. Dominic, tell the people – I'll tell the people. If you guys want more, if you just cannot get enough of the make more, keep more show, because we're all about giving you more, um, then go to make more, keep more show.com. Otherwise, come back next week, Dr. Jeff Anselone, uh, debtfreedoctor.com. Check him out on YouTube before you come. It's a good dude. We're going to talk marketing. We're going to talk investing. We're going to talk all of it, making more, keeping more. Literally, he identifies the show. And then come back in a couple of weeks, and we're going to get Dr. Brown's question about uh, getting rid of a business. Absolutely. So, all right, guys, that's it. We'll do it again next week. Take care. All Take right. care, Dominic. See you, Ron. Talk to you guys. Thank you, guys.